Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Resilience Live. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia. For today's episode, I am celebrating and honoring Women's History Month with this special collaboration. And you're going to hear from four amazing women that will be sharing a little bit about different struggles that they've encountered in their lives, in their business, and ways that they have been able to move forward and problem solve and resolve it in a way that honors themselves. And I'm also going to be sharing a little bit of my own journey, a little one situation and how I resolved it and all of that. And this is also in honor of Women's International Women's Day that is on Monday, March 8th. So let's begin for this episode. So at the beginning, here's how it's going to go about in case you have an idea. I am going to be using each and they're going to be responding to some questions. And then we're going to go into a little bit of my responses as well and a little bit of a summary. So let's start that conversation with amazing colleague Emilia Oregajara and she'll share a little bit more about herself and what she do. Hello, my name is Emilia Ortega Jara. I'm a mama to a nine-year-old, a wife, coach, and a psychotherapist in private practice. I am the founder and clinical director of Corazon Counseling, a group practice that specializes in supporting families during the perinatal period, that is pregnancy and postpartum. I am also a coach for mental health professionals. I support therapists in their journey to self-preservation. And in addition, I'm a cultural practitioner and a ceremonial Aztec dancer and practice my ancestral indigenous ways. What's been one of the hardest challenges you've overcome as a woman? And how do you do it? About 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease, an autoimmune condition that creates havoc in your body, mind, and spirit. I was living in constant anxiety, panic, and at times at the verge of psychosis all due to the excess hormones and inflammation in my body. I lived like this for almost three to four years until doctors were able to figure out what was going on. My immune system was attacking my own body, especially my thyroid. Doctors told me that this would affect my fertility and that maybe I would not be able to get pregnant. And if I did, it would be a high-risk pregnancy and pregnancy loss was possible. I was devastated. These were very difficult years I was also in graduate school, working as a director for a community organizing center. I was miles away from my family, dealing with the ups and downs of my symptoms, both physically and mentally. I was so exhausted at so many levels. But my tenacious, resilient spirit gave me the strength to continue. And I prioritized my well-being by being in a loving relationship with my body, by asking it what it needed by listening to it, by nourishing it with love, acceptance, and rest. I was also very active in my Lanza and spiritual community. 
I was meditating, dancing, praying, going to a ceremony, spending time in nature on a regular basis. All of these were foundational in my journey to healing and coping with this chronic autoimmune disease. So now looking back, I see that these challenges were blessings. They have formed me and guided my work from a beautiful, humble place. I am grateful for this experience and the blessings that came from it. What's a message or recommendation for other women that are going through adversity? Gracefully accept that life is going to be challenging at times. Trust that you will be okay no matter what the outcome is. This is part of your journey, your rite of passage. Remember you are sacred and connected to all of creation. The elements of our beautiful and nourishing Earth Mother also live within you. Stay grounded in your truth and remember your roots. Practice being in the present moment. Resting, releasing, restoring. Reach out to your support system and trust your intuition. Remember, the medicine is within you. Share any upcoming project and where people can find you. To find out more about our services at Corazon Counseling and Yolo Cuicat Coaching and Guidance, follow us on Instagram or sign up for our newsletter at corazoncounseling at gmail.com, where we'll be sharing upcoming platicas, workshops, and group coaching opportunities coming this spring and summer. Muchas gracias. Blessings. And now let's go to a very dear friend and someone that I really look up to and a lot of her information about consent and the importance of preventing sexual abuse in children and dismantling the rape culture. And her name is Rosalia Rivera. Hi, so this is Rosalia Rivera. I am a consent educator and an abuse prevention specialist, and I work with parents to teach them how to empower and educate their kids about body safety, boundaries, and consent so that they can prevent abuse and break intergenerational cycles, particularly if the parents are child sexual abuse survivors themselves. But this is education that all parents can use, and my job is to empower them to teach it. What's been one of the hardest challenges you've overcome as a woman, and how do you do it? One of the hardest challenges I've had to overcome as a woman is really understanding that I can honor my own energy cycle. I've always tried to operate in the world with male energy because that's what I thought I was supposed to do, and that was the standard operating procedure for everyone. But what I have learned over time is that honoring my own energy cycle, my own feminine energy, has actually been more productive and more enjoyable. So that's what I focus on now is honoring my body before business and realizing that it's okay. So part of that has been learning to decolonize my way of operating in the world and forgiving myself for uh, needing rest and realizing that I actually don't even need to forgive myself. It's just something that I deserve and that everyone deserves. And so overcoming that mindset, I guess, would have been the hardest challenge. And just learning to be kinder and gentler with myself is how I've been able to overcome those mental challenges and be able to actually have a more fulfilling and enriching life. 
What's a message or recommendation for other women that are going through adversity? A message or recommendation that I have for women who are going through adversities is to not be afraid to ask for help. I remember hearing that many times in my own path. I was raised to not ever ask for help, to just deal with it myself, push through it on my own. Um, even if I was struggling and even if it was one of the hardest things I, I ever had to you know, deal with, I had to do it myself. And what I wish that I had known is that it's okay to ask for help. And in fact, we can do things with greater impact for our own lives and the lives of others if we do it together. And if we let go of the shame that is built into us about asking for help and to be okay with receiving the help once you have been offered it. So on the flip side, one was that I didn't want to ask for help. And then if someone offered help without me asking, I just felt like I couldn't accept it or I was not deserving of it. So I wouldn't receive it with open arms. and ended up just having more difficulties because of it that I could have totally avoided if I had just been okay with receiving it without guilt or shame. So what I recommend for women is to reach out and ask for the help. And when you are offered it, to actually receive it without guilt. So that would be my advice and message. Share any upcoming project and where people can find you. I have so many upcoming projects this year. I'm really excited. One of them is my TEDx talk that is coming up this year. I'm talking about how to end rape culture by dismantling the Madonna whore complex. And so that's going to be one of the projects that I'm very excited to be sharing with the world, as well as a book that I'm writing, which is going to be a survivor's guide to teaching your child abuse prevention. And it is specifically meant for uh, survivors of child sexual abuse who want to do this work with their children of educating and empowering them, but don't know where to start or are afraid to start or feel challenged if they have already started. So this guide is meant to empower them. And so I'm working on that with Hay House currently and hoping that that will be a project that will get picked up by them or other publishers. I'm also still looking for Latinx publishing companies that I would be proud to be supported by. So that's in the works. And then last but not least, I'm also excited about having a children's book series that I'm working on uh, specifically to teach children about the topic of secrets and how they can be smart about it and not fall prey or fall into the hands of tricky people who may try to get them to keep secrets. So that's another project that I'm very excited about. And now let's go to Pam Combarrubias. She has an amazing podcast and her energy is contagious. I know you will like what she has to say. I am Pam Covarrubias, intuitive business coach, EFT practitioner, podcaster, and recovering procrastinator. <laughs> I help the rebels, the misfits, and the nonconformist women who want to feel supported, capable, and motivated. We do this by removing overwhelming thoughts, working through limiting beliefs, 
and by creating space for them to disrupt their environments so they can exist with freedom, focus on what they want to do, and make the money they desire and deserve. We do this without glorifying productivity and honoring rest and our inner seasons. What's been one of the hardest challenges you've overcome as a woman? And how do you do it? Well, (laughs) truly, it's been existing in a world created by men. I have learned to disrupt with my differences and I've learned to own my voice. I was quiet and shy for a long time because I didn't find places I fit in, because I wasn't invited to tables. And after a while, I decided to create my own table. I did a lot of healing work, continue to do healing work. And this is the healing work that hurts a little. (laughs) And this has led me to keep going and continue to challenge myself to show up and speak up most times when I don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. Most times my voice is shaking. However, I'm constantly reminding myself that the legacy I'm leaving behind will be a stepping stone for the women that come after me, just like I'm able to exist right now because of the women that came before me. What's a message or recommendation for other women that are going through adversity? I would say find your anchor. Find your grounding point. Find that reminder of why you do what you do. Find community. Who can support you and hold space for you to exist? It's super critical. And most importantly, find a safe space for you to process because swallowing the stress and worry is not a solution. It's one of the reasons why I'm super passionate about helping women because oftentimes we find ourselves isolated when it comes to real challenges. So my recommendation is to find a place where you feel like you belong, where you feel seen, where you feel heard, and where you feel safe. Share any upcoming project and where people can find you. My flagship program is Power Sisters, the only program that pairs you up with your own power sister to support you and hold you accountable. Inside the program, we work on mindful productivity, owning our voice, and working with your inner seasons. You can find me at Kobiux, C-O-B-I-U-X, and at Cafe Con Pan Podcast on social media, and of course, my website at spreadideasmovepeople.com. And now let's go to Angie Rojo. Angie is a very special, spiritual, quantum healer, and a new mama recently as well. And I know you're going to really enjoy what she has to say as well. Hi, I'm Angie Rojo, formerly known as Angie Sanchez, first-generation Latina, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I'm a quantum healing hypnosis practitioner. I guide people through various dimensions, including past lives, to ultimately connect with higher self. I am a self-love and intentional living mentor. What's been one of the hardest challenges you've overcome as a woman? And how do you do it? For me, it has been to allow myself to accept help along the way. In my early 20s, I felt as though I had to be extra guarded with men and sometimes women, thinking that if they help me get the job or receive an opportunity or meet that one person, that they would want something in return. If it were a man, for example, I would be afraid that they would want a romantic interest. I know I'm not the only woman who experienced this. Because of this, I rarely, rarely ask for help and guidance in my journey, in my career, in my life path. 
I had to figure everything out myself and that required a lot of trial and error and sometimes going through some dark alleys and hitting some walls. <laughs> so it was not fun. But you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a purpose. Everything I experienced has made me the woman I am today. And this has taught me that I'm pretty smart and I can figure out how to do things on my own. However, trusting and asking for help will allow me to expand and grow at a faster pace and especially with community. So this is something that I've learned to accept and to embrace in my life. And I cannot express that, how important this is for any woman in their life journey, in their life path, in their career path. What's a message or recommendation for other women that are going through adversity? Read books, listen to podcasts such as this one, follow people on social media that are doing what you want to do in life. Connect with people that inspire you, that challenge you to show up as the best version of yourself. This is the best thing you can do. Life itself is a school. And so who are you surrounding yourself with? This is so important. Share any upcoming project and where people can find you. Currently, I have a group mentorship. It's called Self-Mastery Through Self-Love. This is such a beautiful, profound experience. It's a four-week mentorship. We meet every Sundays. We have an intimate group of women that gather on Sunday evenings to go within, to fall in love, and to liberate themselves. We work through blocks. We work connecting with goddess self, warrior self, higher self ancestors, guides, we really tap into the full power that is us, that is within us, is all around us. Um, this is what my mentorship focuses on, really truly going within, empowering yourself, understanding what has happened in life, understanding those blocks, the reason, the teachings behind it, the wisdom behind it. And our next round coming up is going to be March 28th. So I'm really excited for all the women that are going to gather for that round of mentorship. I am so excited to connect with this soul family that's out there ready and waiting to connect. Okay. So as everybody knows, my name is Dr. Lidiana Garcia. I'm a licensed psychologist. I'm also the host of this podcast. I'm also a mentor and a coach for therapists in their own journeys. And I'm actually having an upcoming event that I will share in a little bit, having a mentorship program. And one of the hardest challenges that I've overcome has been, I'm going to talk about one recently. So my daughter, when she was born, this is in the midst of the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, two months in, so very much of unknown information. I breastfed my son without any major issue for two years. Honestly, it was a very easygoing experience. So I was not concerned or worrying about any issues. I was thinking that it was going to be kind of the same. Well, to tell the super long story short, it wasn't. It was quite challenging. And then around week six or something like that, she was about a month or so, she would latch and unlatch and it was not working. And I started worrying that there might be something wrong. 
So I called a friend who is a lactation consultant, and she was the one that was in the episode about lactation and breastfeeding. Her name is Jacqueline Kinzer, and she's the owner of Holistic Lactation. And now she has even a supplement that she just formulated, which is awesome. So I called her and then I expressed my concerns. Luna was also having a lot of colic, lots of gases, lots of gases. You would see that she would even complain about her belly. And she asked me, Liriana, how is her lack? I sent her a picture and she said it was fine. But then she asked me also other questions in case, you know, where was my daughter's tongue position and all the things like if there was any drooling. And at that moment, like when she was breastfeeding, I was like a little bit out of it also adjusting to everything. And because one of her hypotheses was for her to have a tongue tie. Well, to continue to tell the super long story short, it was confirmed that she had a tongue tie. And the recommendation that Jacqueline and others recommended was to do the phrenectomy because that would help not only with the breastfeeding, but with a lot of other health concerns. And I don't know if you guys know, but my son most likely had some issues with the tongue tie, but he was an avid breastfeeder. So I didn't necessarily notice like significant issues that he was not latching. And last year, during like three months prior to my daughter's birth, he had um, tonsillectomy because he developed sleep apnea in late 2019. And part of the hypothesis is, I mean, he does have a tongue tie to the one of the doctors confirmed was that probably that got in the way of his breathing. And also he had asthma as a baby. So just saying all that, that I did not want it to go the same route. And it's better, and the professionals recommend that you do them when they're baby. So that way it's easier, easier because you have to do this horrendous tongue exercises. I honestly wish I would have gone back and researched a little bit more about all of that in terms about how sustainable and my level of ability to do all of that. Because it's for many people recommend different things. The place that I went, they said for four weeks. But to tell you how it is, it's like about every four to six hours, six hours at night, you have to literally get there and push her tongue back. So that way it doesn't adhere back. So you're trying to prevent, after they cut it, you're trying to prevent it to adhere back. So you have to push it back to again, to kind of like keep flexing it <laughs> or, you know, in a way. And that's every four to six hours. So you can imagine during the day with a baby that just had that procedure and to do it and the place that I went, they didn't give me any pain management. And then I'm so thankful for Jacqueline that she provided me, that she's not in California, she works in Arizona, but she provided me the pain management protocol that she uses with her clients. And that helped a lot, but still that was, it was very intense. And at night, it was every six hours and sometimes it did not match with when she would wake up. So just imagine that, you know, it's like you have a newborn, you are able to put baby to sleep. And let's say you did the stretch like around eight, then you had to do the stretch around two. But what if baby woke up at 12 and now it's deep sleep and you have to wake them up at two? 
that was so hard also because during those four weeks then my sleep was also impaired and I was already like starting to get some sleep and I also have a older kiddo right and with very limited help so that was so challenging and the thing is that I had this idea that as soon as I did that phrenectomy that she was gonna come like nurse magically but that did not happen actually it made it worse so that also was like wait what I did all of this to get her to latch better and now she's not latching at all so that not only had the exercises but then I started to I turned into like a pumping mom basically and I tried all these different exercises I took her to craniosacral to many different experts and chiropractors and everybody kept saying and just put in consideration in the midst of COVID so you're worrying that you're exposing your baby but at the same time you're like well I need to get this treatment and everybody kept saying I honestly don't have any idea what to do with her she would get very agitated in any of those treatments and would start to cry and scream and really hard to soothe perhaps because she was in pain she had like a lot of tension in her neck and all that because the tongue tie also, you know, it can be related to a tension in other areas of your body and all that. So I got tired of all the money, all the time, all the sacrifices and to keep hearing, I have no idea what to do with your daughter. And it was that moment that I let go of trying for her to latch. And I continued to pump because I was like, well, let me continue to pump. And I was not even feeding her my milk at the beginning because she had so much colic. She, everything would like set and she would complain and it was like stomach ache. So I thought it was something that I was eating and, you know, all the different diets that you go through. Anybody that is, has been a lactating um, caregiver or mom can know about it. So I was freezing this milk and I was giving her formula. And with my son, he did not taste it, not even one bottle of formula. So that in itself was a little bit like, what am I doing? And she's such a baby. That was like July. So July was, yeah, July. I think back to July and I don't know where, you know, it's kind of like what happened. So I basically pumped all July. And then there were nights that she would wake up around 2, 3 a.m. and would not go back to sleep unless you would go and she would sleep on you on the sofa. That happened for like four weeks. So we would alternate me and my husband because, again, we did not have any family member this time and then having to attend an older baby. So I was I was spent. I was fried. I was so tired. And there was a moment that I asked, why am I keep doing that? It's been a month that I've been pumping and I'm not even giving her my milk. I'm giving her formula and it's okay. So there was one day, though, that she refused a formula and I was like, let me give her my milk. So then it switched like around the end of July. It switched that I would pump and give her my milk. And but still, I was like, I don't know if I can sustain being a pumping mom because of all the stressors. So I released it. I released it. And I'm like, that's it. I might just do this until I get tired. I don't know, maybe six months. I'm going to just, you know, purely pump. And magically, the day that we moved to our new place, and that was in August, I forgot to pack some parts of the pump. And I was in the new place. And then when it was time to feed her, I realized oh, I don't have those parts of the pump. And the movers at that time put 
anything that remained in the kitchen, they all put it, you know, in a box. So to, for me to get access of that was going to be really complicated at that moment. And I did not, did I have the formula? I don't think I even had the formula with me. So I was like, you know what, let me try. And I put her and she latched magically. And from that day on, she, I mean, I'm still breastfeeding right now. She's nine months. And for me, that whole experience of going through completely releasing and being almost six weeks without her latching at all, and then for her to relatch on her own without any expert at that moment, without anyone, it was like something that I never thought would have been possible. And I'm just sharing this story because this story has taught me so much about that whole aspect that people say that when you release it and just let it go and then let whatever needs to happen, happen. And that's my story. In terms of the message or recommendation for other women that are going through adversities, here's what I would say. It is transient. I, I am sharing you this story right now. And as far as I know, I haven't shared it. And if I did, sorry, mommy brain. But as far as I know, I haven't shared it. And I remember wanting to share it, but holding because I was still like a little bit in the raw of it. And I also didn't know how long it would last. And it was so much, so much traumatizing, everything that happened when she was a newborn up to like four months that I was still like in the midst of processing it all and trying to integrate and work through it. But when I was there, I remember it was like the, the, the nights were so dark, like how that's how I felt. I was like, am I ever, ever going to feel different? Am I ever going to feel balance or that I can do this again with two kids and distance learning, you know. So there's all those kind of aspects and fears. And I, she would scream so much at night and was so much in pain. And when I was in the midst of it, I couldn't see any, any light at the end of the tunnel. And the only thing that kept me going without going insane, besides using coping skills and my husband's support and all that, was that I remembered that my son grew up. <laughs> I remember that he did not stay in the not sleeping stage forever. So I had a reference that I could look up to. And I, I remember that it too shall change. It too shall become something else. She won't stay two months forever. She won't stay right now. She's nine months. She won't stay nine months forever. And that idea of things will change provided me a sense of comfort. And that's what I want to let you all with, to have that idea that things do change and perhaps they can get a little bit worse. I remember when she couldn't latch, I would have never thought that she would stop latching at all. So it got worse. And that's what I usually notice, that it gets really bad, really ugly right before it shifts. It's like those last steps to, if you're running to get to the end. Is that last piece when you're like completely exhausted and you have no idea how you do it. And then the next day comes and you're like, oh, I did it. And that's exactly with what's going on right now. There's weeks. I think it happens in every month that I'm like, I don't think I can keep doing this, this distance learning, this managing my online business, the practice, 
the emotional health of everyone at home, my own, my physical health. And it's exhausting. And there's days that I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And the other thing that I would say besides things change is finding, even if it's just one person, that can remind you of that, that can remind you that things do change, that can bring that light, even if, if you see in very faint light, but to remind you of that because that is so helpful, especially for those days. So that's the message that I have for all of you. And now in terms of the event that I'm having, I created a six-month mentorship program for psychotherapists for those that are looking to untap their inner power and intuition and to release internalized patterns that probably were learned not only via collective trauma, but also by completing graduate school and having supervisors that were not attuned to their needs or to the cultural differences or to systemic oppression, to kind of be able to let go of all of that and to tap into their own intuition and their voice and create the practice that is aligned to themselves. And to learn more about it, you can look, click on the link in here. There's going to be an open house on Saturday 13, March Saturday 13 at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And you can join the open house to learn more about it. And the link will be here for the open house. So, my hope is that by you hearing all of this, you were able to identify with at least one person, one narrative, one story, and to know that you're not alone. I wrote down different themes that I noticed that many of them shared in their struggles. One of them was honoring that feminine energy, which included resting, using your own cycles, moon cycles, menstrual cycles to plan ahead and not always be on a go-go and 100%. There's times in the cycle to do that. I also wrote down the topic of listening, listening to themselves, to their bodies, the body before business, the health before anything else, and the importance of it. The sense of importance of finding and connecting to a community, the connection to our ancestors, our, and our spiritual beliefs and where we come from. I also wrote down the topic of decolonizing yourself and letting those patterns away of oppression. I also heard the topic of healing and working on your own, not only body healing, but also mind, body, spirit. I also heard the theme of speaking up when you need to. And how often we don't speak up as women. We were indoctrinated and we continue to live under this patriarchy in which there's that saying, calladita te ves más bonita, which is in Spanish and I'm going to translate, which means kind of like not talking, you look better or you look better when you don't talk. In other words, shut up. But no, speak up, speak up when you need. And the last theme that I was able to write down that I heard from all these amazing women is asking for help. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is actually a sign of strength because we cannot do everything on our own. That's also part of that 
internalized oppression and patriarchy because that way you're going to feel and you're going to be burned out and you're not going to be able to access. Now, if I go from a neuroscience, you're not going to be able to access your frontal, prefrontal lobes and your areas of your brain to be able to see things clearly, you know, to rationalize, to problem solve. All of that goes to second place when you feel exhausted, when you feel like you're in threat response, the fight or flight, fawn, freeze. And when you have people pressed and that they are overworked and exhausted, that's a perfect way of manipulating them. So all of you, I wish you that this month you have, you take some time to rest, to speak up, to ask for help and to get the support that you need. Thank you so much for tuning in. And like you heard, if you want to join the upcoming mentorship open house for my six-month mentorship program, please click on the link here. I'm going to speak about 10 different principles that helped me on tap and release all those I mean, a lot of patterns. I'm not going to say all of them because I'm still working, right? So a lot of the patterns that could have hold me back and to also be able to be clear into the practice that I wanted, how I created this podcast, how I created this online platform and how I feel comfortable going into publics and speaking and all that is because I have done a lot of the work to tap into my ancestral healing, ancestral wealth of knowledge, resilience, strength, and many other things. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about some of the patterns that get in the way. And I'm going to offer a coaching session for whoever shows up in the call. So I'm looking forward to do that and have a great month. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time. 